Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, Do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to his servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have the pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is it anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season. And Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Our second passage is taken from Matthew's Gospel. We are in chapter 9, verses 35 through chapter 10, verse 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues in proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out 
to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of our beliefs is that we baptize not just into our church family, but into the larger body of Christ. And so when you go from here, wherever you go, you will be a part of that larger family in Christ. Baptism is indeed a celebration, and in our faith, we don't do it separate, separated from you, the family, because you have a role, and it is so important. Same thing with Communion are two sacraments. We don't do communion, just the pastor and two people, because that separates us from some of the important meaning of communion, and that is community in communion. Same thing here. So let's take a step back. What is baptism? Well, we have some thought and understanding about that. It is a Christian foundational element that connects us to Christ, through Christ, one another, the Holy Spirit present. I'm not aware of any, as soon as I say this, somebody's gonna say, oh, I went on the internet and I found one. Um, the overwhelming majority of Christians who practice their Christianity in literally thousands of ways all celebrate baptism and communion and the centrality of scripture through the resurrected Christ. We share those things. We all do it a little bit differently and that's okay. As I share how and why we believe and how we do this, it's not to say that others are not right in the ways that they have decided. Just clarifying where we are. We all fall a little bit and land in the place where we are and we think with good reason and so do they, but we are all united in Christ. So for our baptism, what again does that mean? We have several ways that that looks. You can immerse, that is completely going under the water. That word baptizo, the Greek word is to dip. So the next time you're at a party and your chip goes in, you say baptismo. I'm fancy. There is immersion that is completely under the water. And I ask this every time, how many people were baptized by immersion when you were baptized? That's a, that's a nice, healthy group. Good for y'all. There is then the alternative, which is the same meaning, whether you sprinkle or pour, sometimes from a pitcher over the back side of, of a child or adult, and sprinkle is what, where we land. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in my doctoral program in Dubuque, Iowa, and one of my cohorts uh, brings a couple dozen donuts for everybody, and he says, I got them. They're all Presbyterian donuts. And I thought, what in the world is a Presbyterian donut? And so he told me. And then so last week, I came back and got a dozen for the museum uh, 
uh, Sunday school class or two weeks ago, whenever that was, and I wrote a little riddle. I said, two of these donuts, it was a variety of a dozen. Two of these are Presbyterian donuts. What makes them Presbyterian? And friends, what was the answer? Sprinkles on top of the donut. So you can wow your friends at your next gathering. Which of these are Presbyterian? Because they're sprinkles. <laughs> but yes, we do that. But the symbolism is just the same. If we go back to immersion, it's a clear visual that when you go under the water, all of this very quickly, you go under the water, you are, your old life is dead. You are dying to sin. You are dying to your old life. And immediately you come back up and embracing the new life in Christ that says that you are a beloved child of God, that says that the Holy Spirit has come to seal this event in your heart and your life with that of Christ's. Now, we also believe that God doesn't love you any more after baptism than God did before. From your first heartbeat, you are a beloved child of God. We do not believe that salvation is contingent upon this act that we do. It is a sign and a seal, an outward sign of an inner faith. So in some ways, it's a way that we respond to the love that God has already laid out for our children, youth, adults, at whatever age you come to be baptized. It is a way, in a basic way, to say, yes, Lord, I accept and believe your love in your love. It is also, if you remember back to John the Baptist, for the remission of sins. It is a way to symbolize that. And John said, I'm just water. The big dog's coming. That is Jesus. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Talked about this at Pentecost. That Holy Spirit is that part of God that meets us and dwells with us even now. And we celebrate that in a baptism. That that is united, and the word I love is engrafted to the body of Christ in a way that you can never be torn. Even if you cease believing and run the opposite direction, you are engrafted to the body of Christ through baptism. It is the way, one of the ways that we mark our life's journey at whatever phase you are in. It was here when Jesus himself was baptized, which is our criteria for both sacraments. Jesus did them and commanded us to do that with both communion and baptism. When he was baptized, the spirit descended. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Every baptism, God is here and says, this is my child, my children, my son with whom I am well pleased. And after Jesus was baptized, that's when he went out on his mission. That's when his... His mission started, his actual work. He was cast out into the, to, to the desert for 40 days to wrestle with temptation. And then his physical ministry starts. So it is the beginning of something new. It is the uniting with Christ, a congregation. And again, we believe you only need it once. We differ with some of our other friends and that's okay. We acknowledge theirs. If you come from another Christian tradition and have been baptized, we're good with that. Because it's a, it's a symbolic unity. And we baptize, again, not only on behalf of our church family, but on the larger family of Christ. It's already been done. Not that it can't be a beautiful moment if you do that again somewhere else. 
can be another mark in your journey, but we think one will do you. So the water is that physical symbol that Christ was so good at using. He took ordinary bread and ordinary cup that was before him. And here he takes ordinary water, something that is life-giving and life-sustaining. And like you and me, he takes us ordinary folks and does extraordinary things with us when he blesses us, takes us, and breaks us only to be remade as his children on this earth. So the water that cleanses, the water that feeds and fills and gives us what we need for life is inherent in this moment, in this ritual. At the end of this too, we will anoint with just a little bit of oil, which is also a tradition of anointing, which is there are healing elements to some ways that we anoint, and then there are some also blessing and setting aside for the work that Christ is calling them to. So we will do that at the end. The family will, the parents will take vows on behalf of the child because we don't want them to think for a second that there wasn't a time that God's love and grace was with them. And then when they grow older enough to make their own profession, we do that in our confirmation program, middle high school, somewhere in there where then they study and then they learn to claim and embrace what was started at baptism is sealed at confirmation when they make their own statement of faith. But today is the start. It is exciting and it is a celebration. At this font, it reminds us, as we did in the confession, that we all make mistakes, but through this, we celebrate the opportunity to repent and come home to God through Christ. Christ reconciles us to God. That's one of his main features. I read a little story about Belmont Abbey College, which is in Belmont, North Carolina, just west of Charlotte, between Gastonia, west of Charlotte, between Gastonia and Charlotte is Belmont Abbey College. And before that, it was a monastery. The story goes that the monks were out and saw this huge flat piece of granite rock. They thought it interesting and inquired about its meaning. And as it turns out, it was used to be a point of slavery, auction, distribution, the selling of humans. Awful. The monks were intrigued. They could have said, that is horrible. Let's get rid of that and the memory of that. What do you think they did? They had that stone, flat granite piece moved to the college and they hollowed out a little bowl shape in the middle of it, and it became the font for their monastery. And here, and, and they have engraved something along the lines of here, human lives were sold and destroyed. And now through baptism, freedom fills their hearts and minds. It is that sense that sin is real and we are broken people and yet through baptism we are made whole through Christ when we keep this as something that is within us and the importance of our Christian journey. So as we come to this font, 
as we pour this water, as we bring this family down. Know that something important is getting ready to be asked of you, and I don't want you to take it lightly. I don't want you to feel peer pressure in doing so when you respond to the question that will be asked, and you can scan ahead. It's a life commitment to this family through our being a family of Christ. So next week, I will expand, I will proclaim on this text. It is crucial. At the heart of it is Jesus empowering and sending out the disciples to do the work that they had only seen Jesus do. They're just like us. They are broken. Their faith is not strong. They're not sure about all of what they believe, and yet they are following, and Christ empowers them. So this week, I'm giving you homework. I want you to carry a sticky pad with you or some paper in your purse, in your pants pocket, in your car, at your desk, in your home. And I want you to simply chronicle needs of other people as you see them throughout the week. Simple. You see somebody on the street, write down what you think they need. You see somebody on crutches, maybe you write medical care. If you see someone who's suffering from depression or anxiety, write that down. They can be small needs and large needs. Monday through Thursday, this is exact, yes. We'll remind you. So I want all of you to do that everywhere you go. You don't have to do anything about it yet. Just make these lists. And then Friday, I want you to relay that information. You can send an email, you can call us on the phone, text them to one of the staff. And I want us to make a list of needs that you see this week that would then lead to action as we have been empowered by Christ. So read this passage, make your lists, and this introduction will then get into the heart and the meat of this passage as we gather next week. Hallelujah. Amen.